This is an RNZ podcast. Do you feel like, given you work so closely and given the government is ultimately accountable for our plan, that you need to apologise to the New Zealand people? Oh, well, I share the same, uh, the same range of emotions, Duncan, as the rest of the country, of course, when some of these things um, have been uh, brought to my attention, because I do, I do seek these assurances. That was Duncan Garner on the AM show last Tuesday trying to get an apology out of the Prime Minister for what he and many others in the media this past week called botch-ups at the border, and not without reason. As RNZ's Joe Moyer pointed out that same day, it had been a week and counting since the Director-General of Health was first asked how many people had left managed isolation without being tested for COVID-19. The following day, Dr Bloomfield revealed that 51 out of 55 people released from quarantine for compassionate reasons had not returned a negative test first. And that's not good, and something we would not have known about if reporters hadn't pressed him for an answer. Last weekend, the Dominion Post's editorial noted that people have been calling for Dr Bloomfield's head to roll over all this, and the paper said that New Zealanders' exasperation over the quarantine failures was understandable. But calls for the head of the previously praised National Health Chief were not fair, the Dom Post reckoned. He did not ask for the way he was portrayed or promoted, often by the same people by whom he is now vilified. A couple of mistakes do not shift Bloomfield from hero to zero. And that was interesting given that that was precisely the headline that the Dom Post had superimposed on a photo of a downcast Dr Bloomfield just the day before at the centre of a two-page spread headlined Should Heads Roll Over This Week's Quarantine Failures? The Dom Post stablemate in Christchurch, the press, put that same article on its front page with mugshots of other potential decapitation candidates, including the Prime Minister. In the same edition last weekend, senior press journalist Martin Van Bainen said that the calls for heads to roll showed a lack of perspective. Bloomfield, who's done a fine job for New Zealand, should not be pilloried for a couple of bad decisions by low-level officials. And apologise to her. You will have seen all the way through, I have been asking a range of, you know, been involved in a range of questions and set up of planning and processing uh, processes all the way through, seeking assurances that we're doing what we exactly what we expect to be happening on the ground to find out that hasn't happened. You can imagine how I feel. Um, but actually, it's, it's not about me. It's about getting it right. My job is to fix it. So I'm not so interested in sharing my range of emotions. But people in the media who are empowered, like Duncan Garner, encouraged by their editors to weave their own emotions into their output, didn't hold back on their feelings either. The following day, he said this in his programme. But just days after celebrating and tasting COVID freedom and COVID ecstasy, we have walked into and onto our own COVID landmine and it's blown up in our face. Now, no one at any point has declared COVID-19 freedom, let alone ecstasy, and almost every day the Prime Minister and other officials have warned that other cases of COVID-19 will recur. And there's even been an emotional tone in some of the stuff in the news lately that was meant to be matter-of-fact. First-hand accounts of people in isolation have provided important evidence of things going wrong, some of them really serious, but some pretty trivial. Under the headline, Auckland Quarantine Hotel Lockdown Hell... The New Zealand Herald zeroed in on the frustration of one woman, who wouldn't give a name, among many in an Auckland hotel which was put into lockdown on Sunday night, following reports that one guest had tested positive for the virus there. Her treatment was not humane, she said, and... To add insult to injury, she had not received breakfast by 9.42am this morning. It was normally delivered to rooms between 7.30am and 9.30am. Meanwhile, someone else got in touch with Checkpoint's Lisa Owen to say this. 
this person says, am I alone in thinking it's nuts that taxpayers are covering all the costs for New Zealanders to stay in hotels when they return? Why are they not paying at least half? Weekly taxpayer bill is in the hundreds of thousands. And user pays for quarantine stays was gathering quite a lot of momentum on Talkback. On ZB, they were queuing up to get on air on Tuesday. Personally, I think it should be only citizens. Residents should be uh, paying their own thing. Yeah, that's people coming back into the country. Anybody else should have to fork it out for themselves. Um, people that have left the country uh, post-lockdown, yeah, then that's their own folly. And there was plenty more where he came from on ZB that day, including Morning Edition host Kate Hawksby. I'm a tad worried about the xenophobes. They're out in force. Any mention of the B word, border, and out they come. The annoying thing about this is the confusion, the misunderstanding that those coming in and being quarantined are foreigners. They're not. They're Kiwis coming home. There are a handful, less than 2% coming in who are not New Zealanders. They're the people with exemptions, like the Avatar film crew. Well, people were annoyed about the Avatar crew too, but not because they were foreign, but because they felt the rules had been bent especially for them. But then Kate Hawksby went on to say this. What is of concern, though, are reports that some of these returning Kiwis include people who've gone away post-COVID for a holiday and have just factored in quarantine time. If that's the case, they're a drain on the taxpayer and that's the sort of stay we shouldn't be funding. If you decide to take a holiday during COVID, that's on you. Well, here at Media Watch, we've seen no reports in the media about Kiwis taking post-COVID holidays with an added two-week hotel quarantine stay factored in. And if she's got the goods on that, well, she should tell the newsroom at ZB and its sister paper, The Herald. In the current cranky climate, that would have been dynamite clickbait for sure, a bit like those stories about the now-notorious homeless guy who got a fortnight in a five-star hotel but whose existence has yet to be confirmed by anybody. Well, things going wrong here in New Zealand hadn't reached the English comedian Ross Noble when he appeared on the project that night on three. The way you're reacting to it, it's so beautifully Kiwi. It's that thing of, you've sort of done it, you know, like when they find a whale on a beach. You've all gone, <laughs> shall we all just chip in and give it a push? And then it. Right off it goes. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Well, that's a nice thought, but on the current mood, it might be more likely that the people would try and charge the whale for its accommodation on the beach before biffing it back beyond the foreshore, back to where it came from. Later, on the same show that night, Project host Jesse Mulligan painted a pretty bleak picture. Breaches in the headlines. The lack of confidence that the system is actually working has got people freaking out. Today, this is the line to get tested in Auckland. And after that, it emerged that News Hub's special correspondent, Patrick Gower, was one of those freaking out. I'm just starting to freak out a little that I reckon it's back there and thereabouts, and if you're going to get it anywhere, it's probably going to be on a plane. So today I put put the mask on and I've pulled back on the handshakes, and, and um, yeah, I'm scared about yeah. it again. Patrick Gower reckoned the government had lost control of our borders, and he had this prescription to restore public confidence. Test people... At the actual border, not three days later at the hotel. Test them at the border as they come into New Zealand. Don't give them a pamphlet. Give them a test and catch COVID-19 as early as possible. But if they don't get a test, they have 14 days by themselves in isolation, right? So that's our, our buffer. Where they're walking around town, where they're mingling with others, where they're dealing with staff. I'm just not, I'm just not with you on this one. But people who knew a little more about testing were not with Patrick Gower on that one. The science says it's best to wait a couple of days to test a quarantine person and to do it immediately would tie up precious resources and professionals, something News Hub itself has lifted the lid on weeks ago. 
Still, Patrick Gower's claims certainly got noticed by Dr Ashley Bloomfield. In his daily briefing the next day, he said this. The reason we don't test on arrival and we wait till uh, day three of the managed isolation is because that is about day five of many people's journey from wherever they have come from into New Zealand. And we know that testing then is more likely to pick up infection than earlier testing when people may be incubating the virus but not test positive. So that's the reason for the testing around day three instead of at the border. On the newsroom website last Tuesday, political science professor Jack Vowles singled out three senior political journalists, John Armstrong, Tracy Watkins and Andrea Vance, and said that all of them had overreacted in their opinion pieces for their respective media outlets. Some reasonable and necessary measures had been ignorantly denounced by others, he said, under the headline, Some in the Media Need to Calm Down. And the danger of that, he reckoned, was this. What the public may end up feeling is being shaped by current negative journalistic coverage, because journalists are as much opinion leaders as opinion followers. Yet another opinion piece this weekend was by former political reporter turned stuffed travel writer Brooke Sabin, and it began like this. A tsunami of rage swept over the country last week as COVID-19 quarantine bungles emerged, and now... Picking over the debris of doubt left behind from the tidal wave of anger, it's looking increasingly likely the Tasman bubble won't happen in the coming months, or potentially even this year. Is there increased concern and disappointment among the public? Yes. Is there an upswing of anxiety? Well, for some people, certainly. But a tsunami of rage or a tidal wave of anger? Hardly. Brooke Sabin went on to list six reasons why the hoped-for trans-Tasman bubble is now a dead idea. And one of those was Dr Ashley Bloomfield himself, who, Brooke Sabin reckoned, would never agree to a trans-Tasman bubble any time soon, for this reason. If the government went against his advice and a case slipped into the country, it would be a ticking political time bomb of nuclear proportion. More explosive exaggeration there of an as-yet non-existent scenario. But one word there stood out, proportion. It's past time for those generating the tsunami of hasty opinions about all this in the media and the editors to inject some of that. Otherwise, we really will be tangled in what Brooke Sabin called the debris of doubt over whether the commentators really mean what they say.